0: everyone will please come in and be seated especially those out in the foyer i know you're having great fellowship please come in we're ready to start thank you Good morning. morning. Let's stand up and sing this beautiful hymn. I love it so much. We all do. Love lifted me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. Yes, love lifted me. Praise God for his love. We talked about it earlier at the breaking of bread. Sing it all together with all our hearts. I was sinking deep in sin Far from the peaceful shore
1: Very deeply stained within sinking to rise no more But the master of the sea Heard my despairing cry from the waters lifted me.
0: so encouraging to think about how He lifted us out of the angry waves of sin, gave us eternal life, put us on a solid rock, and we have a home waiting for us in glory. We welcome you to the San Ramon Valley Bible Church this morning. In a few moments, we'll have our message from the Word of God. Prior to that, Ginny will be singing a solo for us, we look forward to as well. But we're going to ask Adam to come up, please, and open in prayer, and then we'll have the announcements and the rest of the meeting. Hello? Yeah. Mm. Oh, good morning. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm. Mm. Uh, Let's pray. Mm. Lord, thank you so much for the the awesome privilege of being Mm -hmm. able to attend church, Lord, and hear your word uh, publicly without any fear. Um, It's just such a blessing, Lord, that can, can be taken for granted, and we just thank you for that. We pray that you will bless the message this morning, Lord, and we pray that if there's anybody here who needs to be lifted by your love, that you will just touch their hearts, Lord just comfort and, and lift and, and speak to hearts this morning, Lord. And we also pray for Ginny and her song, that it just be a blessing and just uh, be with her, strengthen her. And we want to lift up the rest of this meeting today in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll have a few announcements for this week and for this month. Tomorrow night, choir practice will take place at 6 o'clock. Pray for the choir, the youth choir, and the kids' choir. There's a lot of hard work going on behind the scenes, getting ready for our concert coming up for Thanksgiving on the 20th of this month. And on December 4th, which will be the first Sunday in December, and we're going to have our concert on Sunday this year. And so let's keep these meetings and choir members in mind for prayer. There'll be a men's prayer meeting tomorrow night at 7.30, as well as a women's Bible study. And then on Wednesday, the worship team will gather at 5 for practice and choir will be at 6. And following that, we'll have our sing-along time and Bible study in our study in uh, Ephesians as we continue on. And the women's Bible study will be at 10 o'clock in the morning on Thursday. And the Friday groups will meet on this Friday. Also, there's not going to be a women's dinner this month. And you'll notice not a men's dinner. And the reason is we're going to have a special church luncheon. On Sunday the 20th, the day that we have the Thanksgiving program, it'll be here in the fellowship room, and it's going to be catered by Amici, and it's going to be great. Now you say, what would it cost for a meal like that, right? A great meal like that. Well, I'm going to tell you what it's going to cost. If you're kids between zero and four, okay, zero and four, it's free. Free meal zero to four. If you're between the ages of five and 12, just a mere $5. So $5 for kids 5 to 12. And if you're 13 and over, $10. So it's well worth it. It's going to be a great time of fellowship. And we're going to have that on Sunday the 20th. That'll be the day that Adel brings forth the Thanksgiving message. And the choir will be singing that day as well. So it's going to be very special. So right after church, we'll have our meal. And thankfulness to the Lord. At this time now we're going to call upon Ginny and she's going to sing for us a beautiful solo this morning and then we'll have the message from God's word.
2: so long ago help me stand Rusty. turn him down
0: Good morning. That was a beautiful song that Jenny sang. It had a little country feel to it, and it talks about our standing for the Lord in this generation, in this time, and we can look the world in the face, and we're going to say, we're going to stand for Jesus Christ. And that's the blessing of being saved and knowing him in a personal way. And we trust that everyone here knows the Lord, because wouldn't it be sad if you came to church so often, you read your Bible, and you you really thought you were saved, but not saved. That's why we have to make sure that we know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, so when the trumpet sounds, we'll all go up together. Praise be to God for that. Shall we just look to the Lord in prayer? Father, we just thank you for this beautiful song that Jenny sang this morning, and we pray that you'll help us to stand, help us to refuse the devil and his lies and his old package tricks and schemes and wiles in our lives, and Help us, Lord, to trust you. No matter what happens to us in life, we know our names are written in heaven and we're going to be there one day. And no matter what struggles and trials and troubles we have, we can truly thank you for your grace that carries us through. Please speak to our hearts through your word today by the Holy Spirit. Please hide me, Lord, behind the cross and help us to rejoice today in our salvation and for what you have done for us. We just commit this time now to you and thank you in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. I don't know about you, but wouldn't you agree that this world is a very stressful world? I mean, whether you have work, there's stress. Families today are under stress, under pressure. It's everywhere. It's in sports. It's in politics. There's pressure. There's stress. And you ask a person, how do you handle stress? And one person say, well, I go out for a run. It helps me to lower my stress. I go out for a run. You ask another person, how do you do it? Well, I go to a yoga class, and I take yoga, and I do all of this kind of thing. Other people say, how do you handle stress? Well, I go out for a long walk, or how do you handle stress? I read a book. You know, people have ways of handling stress, but those are all the wrong ways. The way that we as Christians have to handle stress is on our knees. That's the best place to handle stress. Sometimes they say to me at work, Dean, how do you handle this? How do you handle this stress and pressure? And I say, I pray. I pray. Because that's the only way. God is in control of our lives, and every circumstance happens is for a reason and for a purpose in our lives. So instead of getting upset and agitated and bothered and troubled, if we take it to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, this is yours. Take it, Lord. He, in turn, will give to us the peace that passes all understanding. The title of our message today is Peace in a Stressful World. Peace in a Stressful World. I remember Joe Montana, who used to quarterback the 49er football team, was known to be Cool Joe. I mean, they called him that because he was under pressure like he had ice in his veins. And when the game was on the line and they needed a winning drive, what did Joe do? He led the team down there. And one time they were in the Super Bowl and they were trailing, right, Brad, against Cincinnati, and they had to drive the ball—not for a field—I mean—to get a field goal, could tie the game or get a touchdown to win it. And they got into the huddle, and Joe looked up at the crowd and he saw the comedian John Candy up there, and he said, "That's John Candy up there." And they're saying, "Joe, we got to drive here. We we got—we got—we're behind here. We got to win this game." And it all of a sudden brought calm to the huddle. They thought if Joe, who is the quarterback, could be that relaxed as to notice in the stands, John Candy, the comedian. I guess if we do our jobs, everything will turn out right. And what did Joe do? He threw the winning touchdown. They didn't go for a field goal. They went for the winning touchdown and won the game. Stress, it's everywhere. How do you handle stress? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ taught his disciples how to handle stress. He spent three years with them. And teaching them so many things, but he knew that they still needed a little more teaching. So in the upper room, he spent the last hours before his crucifixion teaching them. And you see it so clearly in John chapters 13 to 17. He spent time with them. He taught them about the Holy Spirit that was going to come upon them. He taught them about peace that was going to be with them. And that they were going to be able to be victorious in their lives. And the Lord is still teaching us today, too. We don't always learn it from the very start. Sometimes we let stress get to us, trials get to us, afflictions get to us. We get down and we get discouraged. The Lord knows that. That's why he keeps reminding us over and over, fear not. Be anxious for nothing. Do not worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will care for itself. And praise be to God that we have the Lord on our side, and peace in our hearts. When we walk in God's will, and we're in his favor, and we're doing what's right in his sight, he will give us a peace that passes all understanding. A peace that's almost indescribable to the people of the world. They don't understand it. We understand it because we have Christ in our hearts, and he's given us his peace. If you turn in your Bibles or look up on the screen, we're going to look at John chapter 14 and verse 27 today, which is a tremendously encouraging verse for us who are going through many struggles, trials, and stressful situations in our lives. It's a verse that hits the heart. I was reading this verse and it just hit me. This is what is needed today so much for my life and for all of our lives too. John chapter 14 at verse 27. This is the Lord Jesus Christ in the upper room speaking to his disciples. He says this. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You know, the word in the New Testament for peace is the word in the Greek, "irene." It comes from a root word, which is ero, which means to be joined. And when I thought of that, the word means to be joined, peace, to be joined. When we're joined together with the Lord and walking in close fellowship with him, how can we not but have peace? When you put your head down at the pillow at night, knowing that that problem is in the Lord's hand, it gives you a tremendous sense of peace, and you can sleep and you can know that though that problem is still there, the Lord is there too. He's there with it. And he's already going ahead of us to prepare the way and to be with us. We all know the story of Horatio Spafford, who ended up being a great missionary, along with his wife and his family. But one day, his wife and his four daughters, he had four daughters, I was reading this, the full complete story of this, four daughters were traveling over to Great Britain, and they were going to go on ahead of him, and then he was going to join them. And they were on a ship. And on the ship, they were going like any other day. Everything was fine, sailing just fine. And all of a sudden, there was a crash between that ship and another ship. And it says in the book that I was reading that it's, their ship sunk in 12 minutes. 12 minutes. All four daughters of Horatio Spafford drowned that day. All four. Now, the wife was spared. And she sent a, te- a telegraph back to her husband that she was spared, but the daughters were lost. It hit him hard. Can you imagine as a father to hear that in one day, all four of your beautiful, wonderful daughters are gone? Reminds me of the story of Job, how he lost all of his children in one day, in one incident. Well, that's what happened to Horatio Spafford. You would think, now this man is going to be in depression, he's going to need counseling, he's going to need all kinds of things. Send him to the psychiatrist, the psychologist, all these things? No. He went to the Lord also in prayer. And he wrote the beautiful hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And it touched me so much because the word says, When peace, like a river, attendeth my way. Now think of that. Like a river attendeth my way. He had just lost his four daughters. When sorrows, like sea billows, roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well. With myself. Now it may not be well with your circumstances today. It may not be well with my circumstances today, but it's well with my soul. It's well with your soul when you know how. When you have Christ in your life, you have the solid rock of Christ. So many people that are not saved they don't understand that they say, "Oh, Jesus is your crutch." If you want to call him a crutch, praise be to God for a crutch, because He is our stability. He is our strength. He is our refuge. We can go to Him anytime with anything. Only He can give us the grace and the peace to get through circumstances like Horatio Spafford went through. Today we're going to look at three simple things the source of peace, the substance of peace, and the strength of peace. So let's look at it today the source of peace. Who is the source of peace? in your life. The only true source of real peace is Jesus Christ. I like what Jim was saying at the breaking of bread. He was talking about how God loved us and he didn't come and send his son to condemn us but to save us. He came to save us and to give us peace and to give us salvation and eternal life. And that's what he does for us. And he says in this verse, he said this, peace I leave with you. Now he knew he was going to be going away, he knew they were going to fall apart. They were going to be fearful. They were going to go into hiding. He knew they were going to run for the hills. But he says, my peace I leave with you. He told them, in a little while, I'm going to be going away. And in a little while, I'm going to be coming back. And the Lord had to explain it to them. They asked him the question, what does this mean, a little while? And he explained it to them that he was going away. And then they understood it. But it was still sad because their Lord and their master was going back to heaven. So who is going to take care of them? Who's going to watch over them? Who's going to help them like he did? He was with them for three years. They could go to him anytime. They could pray with him. They could spend time with him. And now he says, I'm going away. He says, my peace I leave with you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to comfort you and to guide you and to help you. And when the Holy Spirit came upon those apostles, they were never the same again. And you see Peter on the one hand, denying the Lord three times, and the Lord forgiving him and cleansing him from that. And then fast forward to the book of Acts, and you hear him preaching Jesus Christ to the people and seeing 3,000 people in one day getting saved. Is that the same Peter? Were these apostles the same men? Yes. The difference was they were touched by being with Christ, and they were touched by having the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so Jesus says, my peace I give to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. The scripture calls the Lord Jesus Christ as the source of peace, the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace, and he can give peace. Remember when the angels came and they sang that beautiful song there in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2 and verse 14. They gave a beautiful song, and they sang Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. When Jesus was born as the Prince of Peace, there was peace. And when he left this world, sad day for this world when he left, but he left the Spirit of God so that there could be peace for his people. What a great example of peace it was. The Lord Jesus Christ is a great example of peace. Imagine, knowing that you were going to die on a Roman cross by crucifixion, knowing that you were going to be rejected, knowing that you were going to go to that cross, even before the cross, be scourged, mocked, beaten, have the beard plucked from your face, hit with their fists. They did all those things to the Savior. And yet, he had that peace, knowing that he was doing the Father's will, and he was going to save us. So he was willing to do it. It shows, though, in the Garden of Gethsemane, a little bit of the humanity of Christ when he says, Father, If it be possible, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He knew how difficult it was going to be to go to that cross, but he knew there was no way. That cup could not pass from him. He had to drink that cup. He had to suffer. He had to die. Otherwise, we would have been lost. And so he wanted to save us, so he was willing to go through it. But he had that peace, and we can have that same peace in our lives today by the Holy Spirit. But it's, it's a conditional promise. When we get saved, we have peace with God. That's unconditional. We get saved, we have peace with God. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, you will have peace with God. The enmity will be over. The distance will be gone. He'll bring you near by the blood of Christ. You'll have eternal life and forgiveness. But to have the peace of God... That's conditional upon our walk with him, our obedience to him, obeying him, following him. And when we have the peace of God, it's such a comfort in the circumstances that we go through. There's a calmness. There's an endless supply. How much peace does the Lord have to give us? It's like he has this huge, endless supply, this huge reservoir. And as soon as he takes some of that peace out and he gives it to Mike, he doesn't have any less to give to Sylvia or any less to give to Vicki, or any less to give to Gigi. I mean, God loves us, and he has grace for us, and he has peace for us, enough to last forever and ever. And that's so encouraging, because sometimes we think our circumstances are so bad. We say sometimes, well, nobody knows what I'm going through. We say to somebody, you don't know what I'm going through. This is really bad. This is really bad. The Lord knows what you're going through. And his grace is sufficient, and the peace that he gives in that circumstance will carry you through, it'll carry me through. In Romans chapter fifteen and verse thirty three we read about how He's the God of peace. Romans 15, 30 says three says, "Now may the God of peace be with you all. He's the God of peace. And when the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he knew his disciples were discouraged. He knew they were sad, and he came to them where they were in the, in the upper room. and he spoke to them and he said, My peace I give to you. Peace be to you. And he said that to them in the gospel according to John. He's the giver of peace. He's the source of peace. He's the only one who could bring such encouragement. John 20.20 is a great verse for those who like uh, eyesight, like we think we have 20.20 vision because it says, the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. That's John 20.20. They saw him. They were glad. Well, John 19, which comes right before that, is a beautiful verse, too, that we'd like to read together because it just goes to show how the Lord brought such encouragement and peace to them when they were so down. It says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said, Peace be to you. Now, can you imagine? The doors were shut. How did Jesus get in? Did he come through the roof? Nope. Did they open the door for him? No, he came through the walls. Because in his resurrection body, he was able to pass right through the walls and right into the door. And you can imagine. But he gave them his peace. And once they saw him, once they heard his voice, once he spoke peace to them, they were reassured and calmed and comforted by it. One Bible commentator, I like what he said. He said there are four things in this text. The world was shut out. The disciples were shut in. Then came Jesus. The result was peace. May it be so with us. So there it was. The world was shut out. If we're going to have peace, we have to shut out the world because the voices of the world are loud and angry. But when we shut ourselves off from the world and spend time with him, we will get our strength and encouragement renewed every day. And when he comes, he gives the peace, the real peace, the real thing, the real McCoy, as they say. Not a pseudo-peace like the world gives. The world's peace is not at all true peace. It's temporary, it's fragile, and it's not real. It's not real. But we praise God. We desperately need his peace, and he comes to us when we need it the most. Someone once said, safety consists not in the absence of danger, but in the presence of God. I really like that. Safety consists is not in this world. It's not in the absence of danger, but in the presence of God. Think about these examples from the Old Testament. Think of these people that had really tough experiences, and yet they had peace. David had peace when he faced a giant, Goliath, who was nine feet, nine inches tall. He had peace, and he went out and fought the giant and brought him down. Moses and the Israelites had peace as Pharaoh and his army approached them. At first they were scared to death, but Moses said, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He calmed the people down, and they saw Pharaoh and all his army perish in the Red Sea. They had peace. Daniel had peace in the lion's den. Now You say, Now, Daniel, how could you have peace in the lion's den? Because those vicious, roaring lions with their fangs and teeth became like little kittens. And they were just as calm as little kittens. You say, well, that's amazing. They must have been domesticated lions. They must, have been really, they must not really have been vicious lions because if, if they didn't kill Daniel, they must have been like kittens, right? No, because it says when they took those evil men who accused Daniel of all this, the king said, throw those men in there. It says that the lions crushed their bones before they even reached the bottom of the pit. God made those lions into kittens. But he gave his servant Daniel peace in the lion's den. He had peace in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had peace in the fiery furnace. Peace in the fiery furnace. They didn't even get burned. They didn't even have the smell of smoke on them. And Mike, as a fireman, can appreciate that because you go out to a fire, you come back, you're full of smoke. They didn't even have that. But guess what? They had the Lord Jesus Christ with them because it says there was a fourth man down there when they were down in there who was the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ in his pre-incarnate form, was the fourth one down there, and he was giving them peace. And he gave them the victory. Esther had peace, even though she had to go to to King Ahasuerus, unsummoned by the king, because it said if the king didn't reach out his golden scepter to her, she could be put to death, even though she was the queen. Because the king's word was final, and if he didn't summon you, he could have you put to death. But she had peace knowing that they had prayed for her. She had prayed, and she had a peace. And she went and talked to the king, and he reached out the golden scepter. So all these people had difficulties. They had a really hard experience, and yet they had peace because they knew God was in control. And he was going to work it out, and for every one of them they had. And if I ask somebody to take a pad and paper and relate some of the experiences in your life where he's given you peace when you've gone through such mm-hmm terrible or difficult circumstances and you've just been amazed by it. For those who read the Daily Bread there was a story of a police officer who was one of the elders of his church well before he did that he was a police officer and one day they went to into a house to to find a criminal and the the criminal started fighting them with the gun and in the crossfire the police officer got shot, friendly fire, by one of the other officers. And that officer felt so horrible. And the poor police officer, he was wounded, but it wasn't a mortal wound, but he was wounded and they were taking him to the hospital and he was bleeding a lot of blood. And this poor other police officer was just frantic because he had shot the gun at the the bad guys, the criminals, but the bullet had ricocheted and hit his, his comrade and he just felt horrible. And that Christian, his name was Ted, comforted that other officer. Even while he was shot, he was comforted because he had the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. You say, how can that be possible? You're shot, you're losing blood. How can you comfort someone else? Remember our Savior on the cross when he did that. He spoke to the the disciples even on the cross. He had peace and we can have that peace. Peace is a sweet thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing that he has for us in our lives. That's the source of peace. Secondly, the substance of our peace. It's a peace that passes all understanding. We had in our memory class, it's been quite a long time back now, we'll be hitting it again, but it's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I recommend if you've never memorized any scripture, you could start with this verse today and you could be so encouraged. Two verses. And those who have memorized it, let the Lord use it in your life because it's such a blessing. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's our part. Now, God's part. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If we do our part and give it to the Lord and pray to Him, He will give us that peace that will just see us through. And we'll be amazed by it. We'll be amazed by it because it says it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's a peace that lasts. It's a peace that holds up. It's a peace that is unalterable by the world. And it's a peace that we have in our lives. As I mentioned that verse in Luke 2.14, it it really encourages our hearts. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. The Prince of Peace gives us that peace. Now I've got an acronym for you today, and I hope you're gonna like this one because it's P E A C E. Some people have told me, Dean, I really like your acronyms because it helps us to remember it. Remember it, stop, surrender, trust, obey, pray. I think, I know Sonny still remembers that one a lot. They're great. Well, this one is peace. P-E-A-C-E. Powerful encouragement amid challenging experience. Isn't that a good one for peace? Powerful encouragement amid challenging experiences. Now, I don't know about you, but I go through some challenging experiences in life, at work and different things. And it's good to know that peace is there for us, 24-7. God doesn't say, well, I'm sorry, the office of peace is closed today. You'll have to come back tomorrow. No, 24-7, 365 days, even in leap year, The office of peace is open. It even says that the throne of grace is available. It says, therefore, we come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain grace and and find peace as well in our lives. So it's a great acronym. And I thought of that little song that we used to sing earlier on when when I was younger, not old now, but when I was younger. There's a song that says, "I've I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. When you have peace like a river, it's a flowing river. It's a never-ending river. It can give you such encouragement to face the darkest nights. Someone said, when the night is the darkest, his peace is the brightest. When the storm clouds pass by, we'll see his bow in the sky. When our pain overwhelms us and our fear overcomes us, we have the sweet peace of Jesus flowing down all around us. What a truth that is, that when things are at its worst, that peace in our hearts will be at its best for us. Another one of my favorite Bible memory verses is Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. Isaiah 26 and verse 3, another great one to memorize. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. I love how in scripture it tells us the conditions, How we, if we want to have God's promises, if we want to have these blessings, we have to do that. He says you have to stay your mind on him. You have to focus on Christ. You can't focus on the problem and the issue and the difficulty and focus on Christ at the same time. You can't. You can't have peace while you're just so stressed and worried about something. But when you give it over to the Lord, then he gives you that peace. And it's a peace that is so beautiful. But how many times in our life do we have to come to the Lord and say, Lord, why did I worry about that? Why did I get so stressed out over that? Why did I doubt you, Lord? You always come through. God has a plan, and he's going to work it out. And he's not finished with us yet. He wants to finish it. He's going to finish it, but he knows what he's doing. There's a wonderful song sung by the Green family. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Greens. They sing uh, Christian music. Uh, Southern gospel music, and there's a wife, a husband, and then I think it might be the the brother of the the husband, I'm not sure, but there's three of them and they sing. And if you go on the internet, you can find it and you can hear them sing this song, It, it will make you cry. But the chorus of the song says this, because sometimes God has another plan. Sometimes he doesn't answer our request just exactly as we pray, does he? He has a better plan. He has another plan. He has something more in store for us than we could ever even think about. Well, listen to what they say. When God has another plan, hold on and just say yes. When God has another plan, be assured that he knows best. When all your dreams are shattered, rest in his sufficient grace. We, We don't have to understand when God has another plan. Isn't that true? We don't have to understand it. We don't have to to know all how it's going to work out, but God has another plan, and his plan is better than my plan. His plan is better than my will, and he has another plan. And when God sends another plan to us, know that it's a great plan. It's going to work. Our plan? No. It's not going to fit. It's not going to work. But we struggle with it because we want our will. We want our plan to work. We really do. We want to try it out. And then finally, after trying it out, and it doesn't work, then we go to God for his plan. Why don't we just turn it around today and go to God for his plan first, and then cast our sight away? Our, our we're like a little kid that wants to fly that airplane, and we got that little toy airplane, that paper airplane, and we're flying it around, and we do it on our own, without dad's help or anything like that, and then it crashes. And then we start crying, and we go to dad, oh, my plane, it's all broken up in pieces. We're like that because our plan is all broken up in pieces sometimes. All in pieces on the ground. And the Lord says, okay, don't worry. Leave those pieces right there. My plan is whole. It's ready now. And that's when he gives us that peace in our lives. Someone once said, some, peace is not the absence of trouble, but rather confident, confidence that he is there with you always. And that is so true. I think of the day Paul got on that ship and he was shipwrecked. Remember the story in Acts chapter 27? He was on the ship. And things were so smooth and so calm, but the Lord had revealed to Paul that they were going to have destruction on this, this voyage. So when Paul goes to the captain of the ship, we remember the story and he told them what, ha- what was going to happen and they didn't listen. Oh, we know the sea, it's calm, everything's fine. Who is this religious fanatic? He's, on a, he's a prisoner anyway, we're taking him to Rome. Who cares what he says? I'm the captain of this ship. I know better. So they set off, and things are smooth for a while. And all of a sudden, a great northwest wind comes and starts beating against that ship. And it gets dark, and they can't see it. It says they couldn't even see the stars at night. It was so dark. as day was as dark as night and night as day. And they were afraid for their lives. They took all the food. They even threw it overboard. They, they realized that there was no hope of their being saved. And then Paul said, wait a minute, guys. My Savior, my Lord Jesus Christ has told me that we are, I am going to be saved from this, and all of you will be saved too, but you've got to stay in the ship. You've got to stay in the ship. And God delivered him and all those passengers and brought them through. And all the people were probably just scared to death, and Paul came with confidence. Because not in his own self, he was nervous and scared by this storm too, but he had the Lord with him in the storm, And so, therefore, he could give the word of God to them. And sure enough, it turned out just like that for them. They were saved from it. And then there was another person who took a ship. In the Old Testament, you know the story of Jonah and how Jonah took the wrong ship. He went on the ship that would take him away from God's will, away from Nineveh, where he was supposed to go and preach the word to the Ninevite. And the sea came up with a big storm, and then... They determined, who is it the one that's causing this? And it was determined that it was Jonah was the cause of all this problem. And he says, throw me overboard. So they threw him overboard into the sea, and then the sea became calm. And then we know the story about how God dealt with him inside the belly of that great fish, spit him out right where he needed to be, and he went to Nineveh, and he did God's will. Reluctantly, we can call him the reluctant prophet, the reluctant preacher, but nevertheless, God had the victory in the end. And he'll do it. But he doesn't want us to be a Jonah. He wants us to be a Paul. He wants us through the storm to find his peace being in the center of his will. And then finally, there's the strength of peace. You know, peace is very strong. God's peace, but the world's peace is very weak. Very weak and fragile. You know, if you go out in the world, you might feel real good today. You might have joy and peace and everything in your life. But if you're not saved and some trouble happens, you you can't. You can't make it. So you need the Lord, and we need the Lord in our lives through the circumstances we go through. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and verse 16, we see the wonderful words that Paul gives at the end of his letter to the Second Thessalonians. He says, Now may the God of peace himself give you peace in every way. The Lord be with you all. It's a great, it's a great truth to know that that peace is available. But you're not going to automatically get it unless you surrender to the Lord, pray, do His will, honor Him and obey Him, and then you can have His peace. And then you can overcome that. Those who like the Amplified Bible, and I know Adam, you you might even have it with you in your your thing there. Turn in that one. And the Amplified version I'm going to read to you. And if Ed can get the Amplified version up, I should have told him about this uh, earlier. But if he can get the Amplified Bible up for this verse, it'll be great. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 27 in the Amplified. But it's such a great version because it gives you all the shades of meaning in the Greek. It's one of my favorite versions to study the Bible with because it's so rich. And it says in the Amplified version, Peace I leave with you, my own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world do I give to you, Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourself to be agitated and disturbed. And do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Now that gives you a pretty clear choice, doesn't it? If we trust in Christ and he gives us his peace, we're going to have strength and encouragement and joy. If we don't, we're going to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. He says don't allow it. There's no reason for a Christian to go and hang their head or get discouraged or get down or let the pressure squeeze you. There's no need. The Lord's with us. When you get in your car and drive, the Lord's there with you. When you go to work, he's there. When you go to school, he's there. When the teacher's there, everything. It's amazing. We can thank God for that, for the peace that passes all understanding. Do we remember that acronym, PEACE? Powerful Encouragement. Amid challenging experiences, peace. That's the peace that we need. Now, the NLT, which I know Matt uh, Eugen really likes the NLT, and it's great in this verse also. The NLT says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. It's so true. It's so true. There's one company that talks about peace of mind, and they talk about it. insurance. Now, if you have an insurance policy, you say, well, that's going to give me insurance if something happens. It's going to be there for me. I have to pay for it, though. I have to pay the premiums, and then I'll get the benefit of it. Well, God's insurance is more of an assurance because it's always there with us, and we don't have to pay for it, no premiums, and you get the blessing every day of that peace and that comfort and that strength that we need. An old poem says, In the center of the whirlpool, while the waters rush around, there's a space of perfect stillness, though with turmoil it is bound. All is calm and all is quiet, scarcely e'en a sense of sound. So with us, despite the conflict, when Christ, his peace, is found. They say the quietest, stillest place of that tornado is in the eye of the tornado. In the very eye, in the very center of it, it's calm. Is that true in our lives? Can we find that calmness amidst the greatest stress? Yes we can because it's in the eye It's in the eye of the tornado. It's with Christ. When we're with Him and joined with Him and seeking Him, He will give us that peace. So to conclude what we've learned today is that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Prince of He's the source and the giver of peace. He wants to give it to us, and not a little bit. He wants to lavish it upon us. He wants to give it to us when we need it so that we can face whatever we have. And it's not a temporary pace like this world. It's a permanent, strong, eternal peace. And it's, there's a substance to it. It lasts. It holds up in our circumstances. And His peace is strong. And He can help us to live victorious. But he reminds us, don't worry, don't fear, don't be troubled. In this chapter, he starts chapter 14 with the words, Let not your heart be troubled. Those who watch Sean Hannity, they know that that's how he ends every broadcast, Let not your heart be troubled. I just wish he would carry on the rest of it. You believe in God, believe also in me, wouldn't it be something? Maybe we should send him a letter. Dear Sean, please finish the verse in John chapter 14, it would be great. Now, Fox may not allow it, you know, they might say, wait a minute, stop where you were. You're getting a little bit into religion there. Praise be to God. And finally, we'll conclude with that acronym again: peace. Powerful encouragement amid challenging experiences. Whatever we go through this week, instead of reacting the old way like we always do and get stressed and worried and all bound up, and let's take it to the Lord in prayer. Let's seek his peace. Let's allow him to take control, and he will bring great blessings to our lives. J. Vernon McGee, in his commentary, said about this piece, he said, This is the glorious, wonderful peace that comes to the heart of those who are fully yielded to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the peace of heart and mind of those who are in the will of God. May the Lord help us. Father, we just thank you today for your peace. We can't describe it. We can't understand it sometimes. But we thank you for the peace that comes when we're in turmoil and trouble and when things are happening so fast and there's a lot of pressure. And this world is a stressful world, Lord. It's moving 100 miles an hour all the time. And I think here in the Bay Area, Lord, we have more stress and pressure than many people that live in small-town America across this country. But Lord, in the midst of our great stress and pressure, and all the problems, and all the trials and difficulties. Help us to go to you, Lord, and find your sweet peace that will carry us through and give us joy. We just thank you, Lord. Please forgive us when we get stressed out, when we get troubled and fear and we doubt, Lord. Please forgive us when we allow ourselves to be overwhelmed by the circumstances. Help us, Lord, to trust you more. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.